Hey, how's it going? Suzanne Hogan here, producer of Midwesternish. You know, this podcast is only made possible because listeners like you help to support it. So if you want to help us out, go to kcur.org slash Midwesternish, kcur.org slash Midwesternish, and then click on that donate button that's on the top of the page. Okay, thanks. A few years back, Eric Dayton made 150 hats, just plain old stocking caps that said North across the front. That's it, no explanation, just North. And he put them in his Minneapolis clothing store. People would just walk into the shop, they'd look down, see the hats, and they'd say, yep, I got it, I'm never calling us you know, the Midwest again, we're the North, I'll take three hats. I've always thought of Minnesota as an essential Midwestern state. In fact, the polling geeks over at the data aggregating website 538 conducted a survey on what states are in the Midwest. And 60% of respondents picked Minnesota. For the record, that's more votes than Kansas got. But Eric thinks his state is special, and not just special, he says it's northern. It's cold, it's dark, it's rugged. And he sees that as a point of pride. This is who we are. This is our DNA. He's not alone. What started as a limited run of hats has blossomed into a full-fledged movement. We didn't have to convince people of this. We didn't even really have to explain it. And now, Minnesota wants to break up with us, which is giving some of us an existential crisis. Like, why are we even called the Midwest in the first place? This guy, Tim, from Raytown, Missouri, doesn't like it. Because that's a reference by East Coasters to the fact that we are to them in the Middle West. So it's not a name that we've ever chosen. So maybe we should all think of a new term for ourselves. Since we are not the West of anybody, we are the center of where we live. Ooh, okay, so you think we should call ourselves what, the center? Maybe the center, United States? Eh, I don't know. It could use a little more punch. Flatsville? Wheat World? I know, that sounds like a really terrible theme park. We'll work on it. From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman. On this episode, The North Wants Out. So I have a hard time with this whole breakup idea. I mean, it feels kind of personal. This isn't a divorce. This isn't a secession. It's, this isn't Brexit. You know, this is about us telling our story in our part of the country. And it's as much about who we are as, as where we are. Eric was born and raised in Minneapolis. Actually, he's a fifth-generation Minnesotan. And his dad is the governor of the state. So this whole North thing runs deep. I grew up playing ice hockey, enjoying winter, skating outside on frozen lakes, you know, sledding, snowball fights with friends. It also meant growing up I went sledding too, I want you to know. Good, good. And, you know, it it also meant going up to the Boundary Waters and and canoeing up there in the summertime and time at my family's cabin. So that that was the story of Minnesota that I knew and that I grew up with. Eric went away to college on the East Coast, after this cold, lakey childhood in Minnesota, and he quickly learned that the Minnesota he knew was very different from what his classmates imagined. 
oh, you know, maybe they'd seen the movie Fargo once and thought they, uh, you know, had it all had it all figured out. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. It sort of reduces it to a maybe a funny accent or, you know, it's it's a sort of a stereotypical impression. And, and worse than that, most of them didn't know anything at all about Minnesota. And that was, to me, the real problem was that we were kind of a, a blank slate or, or maybe the only thing they knew was that we had cold winters, but they viewed that to be a negative thing. And actually, one of the, the real messages of, of what we're trying to do is that actually we love our winters being cold. And that's a big part of who we are. It's a big part of what our traditions are based on. And that's something that we're excited to share and, and proud to embrace, not something that we're apologizing for. When Eric talks about embracing the crazy-ass cold weather in Minnesota, he likes to call it stepping into the punch. It's a metaphor, I guess, like if you're getting hit in the face, apparently pulling away from the punch hurts more than stepping into it. I would rather not get hit in the face at all. But Eric is serious. He thinks the city of Minneapolis should totally get rid of those wimpy skywalks that keep pedestrians warm. And he started an outdoor festival in Minnesota in the middle of the winter. We've got a great new 10-day celebration of winter here that I helped to create called the Great Northern. It brings together some of our proudest winter traditions, some which... Like what? You know, the... Well, the St. Paul Winter Carnival, for example, is 132 years old. I mean, this isn't this isn't a new thing for us. I looked this up, and yeah, it's wild. People build these insane ice castles, like full architectural-scale buildings they assemble out of bricks of ice with cranes. And there's all this weird stuff I don't even understand, like guys in red capes who set things on fire to bring the heat or something. Ladies and gentlemen... We are your heat boys. We will do the best we can to keep it going for you. Yep, that's definitely a special Minnesota thing. And we will keep warm air or get warm air here soon. An early spring so we can frolic and swim and fish and have margaritas by the beach. You know, this is this is who we are. This is our DNA. And so let's let's own that and let's let's celebrate it. And so we brought together the Winter Carnival, the US Pond Hockey Championships, which is a great hockey tournament played outdoors on a frozen lake the way nature intended it. Pond hockey championships? Well, the quest for the golden shovel has begun on Lake Nokomis. Perfect weather right now. Pond hockey teams from around the country took the ice early this morning as part of the U.S. Pond Hockey Championships. Hey, boy, Eric. So this event just embodies hockey. It's hockey in its purest form. The Winter Carnival, the Pond Hockey Tournament, a cross-country skiing competition... They're all part of this festival called the Great Northern, and yeah, it really sounds like fun. But there is kind of a serious side, and the pond hockey tournament gets at that. The past three years, this event has dealt with warmer temperatures and slushy, hard-to-navigate ice. Embracing that Minnesota cold and making it a point of pride, something people care about, that's actually a rallying cry. Eric turned it into a slogan, keep the North cold. This whole thing is about trying to fight climate change and preserve not just that special Minnesota culture, but, well, nature as we know it. 
This is what I heard from a traveling salesman who goes back and forth between Minnesota and Missouri a lot. Once upon a time when I used to come down here because I'm old enough, there would it was winter down here in Kansas City. There would be snow. Um, this is the first time, I think, in seven years that I've been down here in February and have seen snow and cold. And everybody's reacting very you know strangely about it and i and i feel there's a chance that people in the southern half of the midwest are losing the the culture of winter and snow and we're fighting to try to keep it in minnesota the message hit home for cross-country skiers in neighboring wisconsin last year we had you know the american birkebeiner north america's largest nordic race we had to cancel the race last year because we didn't have snow the American Birkebeiner has been canceled. Race organizers decided the course was not safe after days of warm weather. Green grass isn't what skiers want to see on Berkey weekend. Well, I'm disappointed. I was really, really looking forward to it. Warm weather canceling North America's largest cross-country ski race for just the second time in history. At the end of the day, just uh, we didn't feel like we could make a safe course for 10,000 people to ski on. And Eric Dayton remembers that moment. That was a real wake-up call, and, and, and if we don't take this seriously, we're going we're gonna to lose those traditions, and, and with that, I think we'll lose a, a big part of who we are, and so we're, we're, we're trying to you know, fight against that. The beer refreshing as the crisp, cool land it's brewed in. The beer that captures for you the wonderful refreshment of this enchanted Northland. Hams. Whoa, did they just call Minnesota the Northland? That was from a commercial made in 1956. I guess this whole idea of a northern culture and even a northern landscape goes back a ways. But if we let Minnesota go, who's next? Will you take the Dakotas with you? <laughs> I mean, th- you know, this this isn't for me to decide. But as I said, we've 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 seen traction ac- across the border into North Dakota. We've seen momentum, and and that this resonates in 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 parts of Wisconsin. I've heard from people in in the UP of Michigan for whom this this feels authentic, and and that it feels like th- their story too. Hold up, you can't have Michigan. But Wisconsin really does seem to have its own thing going on. I have vague memories of a trip to Wisconsin when I was a kid. What I remember is this lakeside beach with giant rocks you had to climb over. So I looked up Wisconsin's tourism commercials, and do you know what they're promoting? Not beaches, not even cheese. Something I've never heard of. Supper clubs. A supper club would be an establishment that only serves dinner, not open for lunch, and it's just family run for many, many generations. They're like nostalgic, whole different atmosphere. A nice, quiet, relaxed, you know, place that still gets you a relish tray. It's kind of like bringing the salad bar to your table. It's just a very, very nice place. Very friendly. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the sign says supper club, yeah. Okay, so I get it. The North is different, but I still think Minnesota's welcome commercial for the 2018 Super Bowl was pretty over the top. Oh, my God. We're a land of innovators, creators, scientists, and risk takers. We have thriving arts, theater, and music scenes. We have world-class restaurants. We consistently rank among the healthiest, most active communities in the nation. Our businesses feed, clothe, transport, and inspire people around the globe. 
And we're unlike anyone else who has ever hosted the Super Bowl. We are the North, the bold North, where working hard meets playing hard. Okay, so this actually feels incredibly Midwestern to me, I need to tell you. It's this overstated rebuttal to an inferiority complex. You know, this this doesn't, I don't, to me, this doesn't come from an inferiority, an inferiority complex. It, it just comes from, at least for me, a genuine sense of pride. And just, you know, the the Midwest, I mean, you know, we were the upper Midwest, right? We were, we were sort of, you know, the upper part of the Midwest. And before that, we used to be the, the Northwest when, you know, the Western frontier hadn't reached all the way to the California coast. And so we've always been described in, in these relative terms that that's really the East Coast, an East Coast perspective on the rest of the country and on and, and on us and where we are. And and this is about taking control of that narrative and saying, you know, we're, we're going to tell you who we are. We're not going to leave it to other parts of the country to, to do that for us. Okay, so I guess I just want to say, though, I mean, that the idea of overlookedness is, I mean, I've asked a lot of different people at this point, you know, what defines the Midwest? And that is the most unanimous, the closest to a unanimous answer that I can get is this feeling of being overlooked, which is exactly what you're expressing. I mean, you realize that the argument you're making is what people are saying about themselves in every Midwestern state right now, right? So this isn't just a Minnesota thing. I think it's what perhaps previously was thought of as the upper Midwest is saying, you know, we've we've got a a way that, that we think more strongly and accurately describes not just where we are, but who we are. And and I think that's something that we all need to be thinking about in, in all of the, the, the central states of the country is the importance of telling our story. Because this isn't just about, you know, pride and ego. There's there's an economic reason for this. You know, we need to be thinking about how we attract talent, how we how we drive our economies forward, start new companies, attract people to join the ones that already exist. And so I, I think this is important for a lot of reasons. Eric is a businessman, so he talks about all of this in a very businessy way. But he makes a good point that the Midwestern states are held together as a region by a very flimsy narrative thread. The New Yorker published a humorous list of collective nouns. You know, a group of ants is a colony, a group of sparrows is a host. The list got snarkier and snarkier as it went on. A group of millennials is called brunch, etc., Toward the end, it said, a group of angry states you can't name is the Midwest. It's sad, but do you have a better definition? You know, there is a lot of diversity in in the Midwest. And when that all gets lumped together into, into, you know, sort of one collective identity, all of those stories get washed out. They all get they all get lost. And so this isn't about, you know, each state having its own micro micro identity there's no single state region here um, but as i said we see this resonating in, in other states around us and i think there's there is a shared experience and that becomes a strong story and then i think by all means the midwest has its story to tell and and, and needs to fill in what it wants the rest of the country to know about about you know not just where but but who it is maybe my little corner of the midwest here where kansas butts up against missouri Maybe we're just going to have to let Eric and his northern states go. We'll have to go our separate ways so we can find out who we really are on our own. Can we stay friends? Oh, of course, of course. And, 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 and you know, I think, I think we're, hopefully we'll, we'll all be, we'll all emerge stronger as, as, as part of this effort and, and be doing a better job telling our stories to the rest of the country and, and making sure they know all the great things about, about your part of the country and mine. 
Don't worry, we just need some space. It's nothing permanent. We'll be back. Midwesternish is a podcast from KCUR Studios. It's made by me and Suzanne Hogan, and our editor is Sylvia Maria Gross. We are going to take a little break, too. We're going to start working on another season for you, but you can talk to us on Twitter. We're at Midwesternish. You can also call us up. We have a phone number. If you have a Midwesternish observation and a story that goes with it, or just any kind of idea that you'd love to have us explore, call 816-235-2797 and leave us a voicemail, preferably in less than a minute. That's 816-235-2797 and keep checking the feed. You never know what might pop up, but until then, I'm Gina Kaufman. I love you, Midwest. <laughs>